Notorious Fire. Such a great name. Brings me back to bumping mid-90s rap jams from the one and only Biggie Smalls. Lenny is literally the man when it comes to custom designs. Dude went to art school, like legit college for art. Just look at all his work. This guy has artwork on snowboards and even guitars. He's constantly creating new sticker designs. But more than that, he's customizing tumblers, mugs, glasses, cigar cases. Well, basically anything you can customize at this point, Notorious Fire Company will customize for you. On top of that, his IG game is on point. And occasionally, you even get to see a pic of the man behind the brand. So check him out at NotoriousFire.com or on IG at NotoriousFire. Trust me, you won't be disappointed in his work. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 35 of the Size of by National Fire Radio. Again, I'm still working on the intro. I don't like that what's up, everybody, but I still don't know what to say. So some someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this one happen. And this one's going to be really quick because at least intro wise, because my guest is generally like all over the world. And it's crazy because we were going to do this one in person today because he's actually recording this Zoom from like three miles from my house but to increase time and what he has to do in his, his busy schedule, he's like, let's just go Zoom instead of me coming over the three miles that he would have to drive back and forth from his school. But, um, you know, I'm going to let him almost introduce himself because I'm going to mess up his accolades. But basically, I'm just going to call him this amazing dude who I was very fortunate to know when I when I moved here in Jersey and my kids were doing jujitsu. And we showed up at his school, which his initial school in Jersey was like in my backyard. I could like look out my window right now and almost see where his first school here in Jersey was. So uh, without further ado, Professor Ricardo Alameda, thanks for joining me today, buddy. Hey, how you doing, everyone? Uh, Ricardo Alameda here. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is my thing. It kind of, it's taken me all over the world. Uh, I fought in the UFC. I've trained like UFC fighters, a couple of UFC champs. And now I train kids in the rough and stuff, rough and tough streets of Robbinsville, New Jersey, and Lakewood Ranch, Florida. Now I love jujitsu, and you know it's my pleasure to to share it every day, uh, from little kids all the way up to adults. And uh, yeah, that's it. Was in jujitsu is my thing. That it's t- totally your thing, and you know I love it too. Your slogan is is jujitsu way of life, right? And and when my kids were going to the academy. Um, and, and there's no reason that they're not going to his academy anymore. I'll, I'll throw that one out there right now, except for the fact that they just don't have enough time to do all of the things that a 10 and 13 year old boy want to do. So, uh, they were totally into jujitsu, like three, four days a week and competing and learning so many things from Ricardo and all his amazing professors there, but they went on a different path of, uh, lacrosse and music. So for now that's their thing, but that way of life slogan, you know, I kind of don't remember that when we first started. So when did that come around for like the official slogan slogan of the schools? Man, I think it's been a part of the logo for a while. You know, it's, it's, it's been around from the beginning. You know, I think that, uh, jujitsu, is life-changing you know it can be life-changing you know it's a big part of your life much like many other activities but i think jiu-jitsu is so powerful because from the little kid uh up to the adults like it gives you like a real sense of who you truly are you know yeah when you put yourself out there right yeah i think that some of us that you know a little bit more on the confident side like dude you're not that tough (laughs) (laughs) and then some of us they are a little bit more um you know a little bit more timid like you're a lot stronger than you think you are and, and, and it's amazing for the ladies and it's amazing amazing for the kids 
to really find out like how strong their bodies are and like what they're capable of. So I think jujitsu way of life is that, you know, it's like approaching, approaching martial arts more than just self-defense, uh, approaching martial arts, not just practice on the mats, but you know, as a lifestyle. And, and that lifestyle too, about like learning who you are, right? Because I've gotten to see it in watching so many of the kids classes and even some of the adult classes when we were there and just knowing you, you know, you kind of said it best with, there are some people that walk through your doors and they think they're beyond tough and maybe they're not that tough. And then you have the other folks that are a little more timid. And I definitely saw that with a lot of the kids because that's a big deal to, to make that bow and step on those mats to train. Yeah, you know, um, we don't grow in the absence of discomfort and challenges, right? Like if you're too comfortable, you're not growing and you're just, you know, you're not going anywhere. And life just puts us in these tough situations. Uh, a lot of times it, it, it is to see how we're going to respond and how we're going to react. And, 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 you know, hopefully growth comes from it. But especially specifically on the mats, like jujitsu is really hard, you know, like it's, it's not too complex, but it's hard. And, and the lessons are very, they, they go deep with your ego, you know, like you're not just getting submitted, right? Like you're getting defeated by this other human being that, you know, basically just like dominated you, pinned you down and arm locked you and you had to like tap and basically give up and acknowledge like a complete and undeniable win right like so some people don't deal with it very well like inside their head and their feelings and their emotions but what martial arts teaches us is that it's okay to lose like it's not it's not a defeat until you stop trying and it's from and it's from those defeats that we learn and we come back stronger you know and 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 of course it's a very controlled environment you know we're not we're not marines out there in the world like you know dealing with the real stuff it's still you know a very very controlled environment but it it, it affords you you know you being tired you being scared you being um some days not at your best right like you didn't sleep well you had a tough meeting at work and you got in a fight with your spouse and now you gotta show up and train and you're not the same and someone just mops the mat with you like that teaches you something, you know, and, and, and learning to deal with those days. I think it, uh, it, it gives people like a really true sense of who they are, but I think it really gives them a true sense of who they are, who they are in that very specific moment. So not only we learn to grow long-term, but we learn to respond to things in the short term uh, a little bit better as well. Yeah, which is so key too, because you don't always experience that, right? And 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 you use the the examples in an adult world. You know, you didn't have a good night's sleep. You had a fight with your spouse, and then you just kind of move on. But when you take it out onto the mats, and when you're learning how to do this, because I think people have maybe a skewed view of martial arts, and and I mean the UFC, which you fought in, has done amazing things for martial arts and for jujitsu for sure, at least in my opinion but they don't always see the background of it all, right? They just see two men or two women in a ring pummeling each other. And they don't see all that growth that goes on. And that growth, watching you put fighters through fight camps, um, just online alone, and, and kind of knowing Claudia and getting to meet Frankie once or twice at the school, seeing all of that growth and watching them the same way, you know, growing. You're always, always growing. Like that's that jujitsu way of life that you're out there touting. 
Yeah, you know, like for these guys, you know, they're, you know, Claudia and Frankie, professional fighters, you know, fighting at the highest level in the UFC. I think that, you know, if you're in any professional sport, like this idea of never ending growth, it's super important. Otherwise, you just get left, left behind by the competition, you know, and, you know, whether you compete or not, like we're able to, to provide or rather to to make that experience accessible for anyone, you know, like from your kids, like they came in and they had that same experience, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an environment that's, that's number one, it's safe. Number two, it's fun, but it's also a challenging environment. It's a, it's a, it's an environment that's going to come with expectations and it's going to come with performance expectations of you being able to kind of like tough it out and, and bring your best uh, to your practices. And, you know, the kids really love it, you know, like as long as, as long as they know they're not going to get hurt and they're going to have some fun, like kids will work their bottoms off. Like it's super uh, inspiring to see how hard these kids train and, and, and same thing for the adults, right? Like as long as I could go to work tomorrow and I'm not going to have a black eye or my arm is not going to be out of the socket and my neck, my head's still going to be attached to my neck. All right. Like we could train pretty hard. And, and yeah, then we start seeing a lot, a lot of these benefits for sure. And it's that training end of it too, because also having befriended so many people at the school and still, even though we don't go there, you know, I live in the community, so I'm still friends with a lot of them just when you see folks and, and you hear them talk about that and that training of, you know, you're not always going to get the submission, you're going to submit, you know, it's that back and forth end of it, but then one day it clicks and you have your day. And I feel like the wins are, the losses are probably more on top of the, the side of the wins, but that's still okay because you're growing. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why I get to teach you is because I've lost more than anybody, like <laughs> infinitely more than everybody, right? Like, I not only I've lost more times, but I've lost at a higher level, right? Like, I've, I've gotten like, you know, I've, I've lost in front of the whole world for everybody to see, right? Like, so it kind of like it affords me this, this platform. Hey, I know what losing feels like, so therefore you know, I could guide everyone on, you know, at least on what not to do, you know, at least, at least on not to do the things they got me to lose. Right. And yeah, I think that's, uh, the, the environment for, for the adults, like I said before, it's a, it's a, an environment that it affords them this platform for them to come and, and, and find a better version of themselves through trial and error and, you know, trials and tribulations and trying to, see what jujitsu fits with their daily life. You know, some, some people train twice a week. Some people are here, you know, Monday through Saturday, twice a day, and I have to kick them out, you know? Um, like, we just have to kick the guys out here. Literally, literally, Professor does his, like, com uh, competition classes in the morning. He calls it the guys that he trains, and he literally just threw them all out so we could do the podcast after they trained. And I felt bad. I'm like, don't don't tell them it's because of me, because I, I don't want them to run into me somewhere. <laughs> but I think that that's a big part of that, right, is that we as adults, or we in society now, I don't even know what, to, what which way to, to characterize it. We never want to lose, right? We're in that winning, winning, winning society. But sometimes losing really is what we need to do to make us better. Yeah, I think beyond that, you know, like I think that in some ways we live in a very safe environment, 
you know, like put I ourselves think, in a safe environment. At I remember, all. I remember this kid, this kid that was in the last Olympics. He was a runner for the United States, and you know, he was about to represent the United States in the Olympics. He's one of the best runners in the country, and he said, like, I already won the lottery. I was born in the United States, you know, like, and I and and that was a beautiful thing of this kid to say. He was so patriotic. But it's the truth, man. Like, you know, we live in Disneyland over here in the U.S. You know, like I grew up in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, very, very, very different place, you know. And there's not one day that I go that goes by and that I don't, you know, don't that I'm not grateful for being able to live in in a place where I'm safe and I don't have to worry about people coming into my house or, you know, holding me up with a gun at a at a at a red light not that it doesn't happen here in the united states but it's a lot more um localized to specific areas of the country right like specifically yeah, it's less Jersey. prevalent let's say if you go to camden and newark there's a big chance that that happens so you just don't go there right in rio you could be anywhere and that can happen to you you know and i've tried to i've always tried to teach that to my kids you know but 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 going back to being safe like here in the united states things are so safe and and the kids especially the kids growing up in the suburbs they never really experienced like true like danger or, or adversity you know it's like parents like we you know us we go out of our way to cre to create like this path for the kids and, and it's a life of uh, of abundance like we never really face true adversity and i think sports creates that for kids yeah right like uh, your kids are in lacrosse now, man. That's a tough sport. Like you can you can check with the stick. You know what I mean? Like you have to wear a helmet. You have to run the whole time. Like it's pretty. It's a pretty tough sport. I'm sure getting checked with that stick does not feel good, and it hurts like hell. You know. So fun. in a way, it creates that fear. It creates you know their awareness. You know a sense of urgency of knowing when that stick is coming close to you. And sports creates this adversity and scarcity for our you know typical american kid raised in a suburb where it's a life of of abundance like you could eat anything you want you could have anything you want you know mommy is always going to be there for you daddy is always going to be there for you whereas the reality in other places in the world is not like that man i just had two fighters come here and these guys came from from russia and i'm wondering how these guys are here from russia right now you know, and, and, and these guys, I see them on the mats and they're killers. Like, they're like, you know, killers. I could tell these guys been fighting since they were kids. I met them for the first time. Someone that I know, like, recommended them to come here for practice. And I always like to have tough guys come because it's good practice for, for our, our, yeah. our students, right? Like, our fighters. And, man, these two guys walk in and they train. And they're tough as nails. And I'm like in my head, and, and even Frankie mentioned me, how are these guys here? And I'm like, man, I don't know. Maybe they've been here for a while, you know? So in the end, this guy is broken English. He's trying to explain to me that they try to send them to go to Ukraine to fight in the war of Ukraine. And they said no, and they were going to get tossed in jail. So they got on a plane to Mexico, and they crossed the border to the United States. They got caught, got put in immigration jail. Oh. And then they paid like a bond or whatever they paid to get out. And, you know, now they're working like some subpar job, you know, somewhere in Brooklyn or whatever. Really nice guys, but basically trying to run away from the war and, and, and you know, having to go through this freaking like Mexican soap opera adventure just to be here when 
they have a skill like if you know if there if there was visas and stuff going on these guys could be fighting or they could at least be training somewhere to have a future as professional fighters both of them have that type of of talent right um so i think that's the type of scarcity and danger that i'm talking about that we don't have to face being here in the united states and there's not one day that i'm not grateful for it you know yeah, it's hard too to tell people like you have to be grateful for that because of those two guys story, you know, you don't always see it. you think you know about it until you experience it, you know, you experienced it through them and that had an effect on you and I'm listening to you tell the story like all the listeners are now and, and you're really thinking about that there are young men and women in Russia that disagree with what's happening there and look at what those guys did to get away from that. You know, listen, I have no problem with Ukraine. You know, why am I going to go over there and like, you know, being in, in, in the front line, having to kill these people? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and of course, these guys are like from from the outskirts, right? Like, it's not it's not the the, the wealthy, influential people from from Moscow and St. Petersburg that are getting sent to the front lines to go, you know, yeah. Into the Ukraine. They're picking them it's, from wherever they can. Yeah. That, that's not going to matter. Yeah, exactly. They're picking them out from like the you know, the Russia annexed the provinces and, and, you know, come on, man, you know, I don't know, I'll go die for some more than, you know, I'm killing people that I have no problems with, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. It's hard too, because immigration here is such a, such a hot button political topic and, and has been for a long time. And I think a lot of the folks that are starchly against it, forget that they're against it because they want to be against it, but they forget about the folks like these gentlemen who now can't get here in any way, shape, or form, or the reason the folks are actually coming here for that better life, because they don't have safety like we have. You know, they don't have this abundance like we have or have earned. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I don't want to enter, like, a, a political topic. <laughs> no, me neither. We, we try to keep the politics. No, it's all cool, like, whether, like, you know, people should be able to come to the United States or not, or this and that and the other, you know. All I know is this, like, what makes the United States great besides, you know, the American values, it's people from all over the world want to come here, right? The day that people, the day that people from all over the United, all over the world stop wanting to come here, like, we've lost something very special, right? Like, you know, here up in the Northeast, you know, we've had this influence of, I guess, like, you know italians and, and and now we have a lot of people from you know from india and from you know the asian countries you know like like the, the whole world wants to come here and and there's a reason why right like so it's how do we do that in a in a way that's positive and and and, and you know enhances this country like i'm an immigrant too in a way right like i was born here but my parents were you know, Brazilian students attending uh, their master's degree. And, and I was born here and I was given a life that I wouldn't have if I was from Brazil, right? Like, well, it wouldn't be much harder getting visas and things like that and so on and so forth. Yeah, like you're in that fortunate class because your parents happened to be here, I guess, when, when they were in school. And I think that's, again, that's not a best, the best part about being an American is just the cultural mesh of so many different cultures. And like you said, what we're seeing now, you know, where now we're seeing a big Asian influence in our area, at least here in New Jersey, um, where in northern Jersey, they're, they're seeing different influences and different parts of the country. But that's what makes America great to me is all the different cultures coming together and learning from each other. You know, I'm sure, you know, being in Brazil, you have a whole different style of jujitsu than people that just started in the United States. 
Yeah, and listen, man, I'm sure that if you're in Texas, uh, you know, and you got people crossing the border and like kind of like coming into your town, like I'm sure that doesn't feel good either. You know exactly. what I mean? Like I understand that. Uh, I'm sure there are places in the United States that you know immigration is seen as a negative thing, but hey, it's what it's, it's what it is. But we we can get back to jujitsu and and all kinds of different things now. But I think listen, we were talking a little bit before the show, and this is like one of the fun parts that I get to have about doing this podcast is we never really know what we're going to talk about. And it's always great to get different opinions and share opinions that we may agree, we may not agree. But that's another big part of when I look at your schools that I've, I've spent some time in is it's a melting pot of people. You know, you, you have guys showing up from Russia who snuck into the country through Mexico, let's say you have moms, dads, doctors, nurses, cops, firemen, federal agents i mean I, you can tell me you know what i mean it's just it's just such a melting pot and they're all there for the same reason to to make themselves better yeah jujitsu is pretty cool and, and and it's only getting cooler and bigger you got like all these celebrities now that train jujitsu right like uh, uh demi lovato just got her purple belt or brown belt maybe like not too long ago like the dude that's like superman he trains jujitsu if you look for celebrities that train like there's a ton of like joe rogan is like the biggest uh sure person for jiu-jitsu um keanu yeah, reeves like, i think keanu reeves does i know uh, one of the guys from five finger death punch does because he chris kyle i think not nah, chris kyle i can't think of his name but chris something from five finger death punch like they all talk about it yeah there's a lot of people involved in it but you know going back to just the, you know us regular people uh you know jiu-jitsu is more and more popular i think that it doesn't have that stigma of like it being dangerous or hey my kid's gonna become aggressive if they start training martial arts right like so more and more parents kind of look for it it's also not you know some of these like mcdojo schools where your kid's gonna go in there and learn how to break like a half broken board uh, you know like a pre-broken board you know like i mean if you want to use those kind of props like to build kids confidence it's all good but like you want to build real confidence right like you know you don't want a kid to learn how to break a, bro a board that's already broken like that's that's not cool you know what I mean? Like, we'll put this kid to spar and get, you know, get punched around a little bit, right? Like, and, 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 and you know, a little scratch here and there is not going to, you know, hurt him or her. And they learn how to overcome that. Like, that's real confidence, right? Like, it's like, all right, Ricardo, you're going to go lift all these big weights, but they made of styrofoam. And we're just going to put, like, 100 pounds in the side of it. So everybody, everyone's going to think that you're cleaning, like, 250 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, that would be the equivalent to me of putting kids to break like these boards that are half broken, you know, like I'm not, I'm not cool with that, but yeah, jujitsu has gotten really popular and, and, and people are more and more into it. There's more and more parents bringing their kids to train. So it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see it uh, impacting people's lives in a positive way. And when you see that too, about, you know, like setting a kid up with a, a broken board, you know, to be successful, sure. It's going to build their confidence. Right. But I feel like what I got to see, especially with kids and, and all the kids that I watched in class, was that, yeah, they're going to get tapped out. They're going to have to tap out to someone. But immediately after that tap out, I always remember two things happening watching the boys. One is whoever the instructor was taught them how to not get tapped out the next time, like what they did that, that caused that to happen. And then both the kids had so much respect for each other that they both were out there, again, trying to submit each other, that it was unreal. And I felt like even the kids that did lose or tap out, 
they almost learned more from it than the the one who tapped them out in, in a training type scenario. Yeah, it's just practice. And, and, and within that practice, like, like I'm sure, you know, every other sort of like competitive activity, there's a, you know, there is like certain, certain etiquette of how we practice, right? Like in, in our etiquette, you know, for the most, every once in a while you're going to get submitted and I'm going to, you know, every once in a while I'll get submitted and I'll just be like fuming, like not at my opponent, but at myself, like, man, how did you get submitted, you know, this way? Like you didn't see this coming or, you know, how'd you get submitted by this guy? Like, he's not that good. You know what I mean? But hey, if you're on the mats, the mats don't lie. You make a mistake, you pay for it. Yep. And, and anybody could catch anybody. Technique is invincible. Technique applied in the proper way, you're not going to be able to stop it. So if, you know, if you're off timing, if you're slacking or, you know, you slip or if you're not paying attention, you're going to get caught. And, and that's okay. That's how it should be. You know, and, right. and also too for that's how you pay for it. Like that's how it should be. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a microcosm of life, right? Yeah. Um, and you pay for it by doing this. And like, hey, you know, now high five and we go again. And I'm gonna go try to catch you. And there's nothing wrong with it. And again, it, it goes back to that learning and growth, right? I think I think that's kind of the overwhelming theme here is that, you know, uh, with jujitsu, you're always learning, you're always growing. You know, you're always going to that next level, and. I know, and I'm going to keep speaking for my boys because I did not participate in jujitsu, but just watching them grow and watching them learn and get frustrated and learning to have respect for others and being on the mats with other folks. And something that I think is something that at least I saw in your schools with the kids, especially not like the super, super little kids, because they don't really know any better, but like the middle school aged kids is that when a girl is better than a boy in that age of kind of becoming a teenage boy, the boy learns a lot about respect and learns a lot about, you know, respect for the opposite sex. And, you know, just that level of it is just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You learn, you learn your own limitations, but then by learning your own limitations, you, you immediately learn how to overcome them. Right. Like it's like, you know, that if you know that your limit is here, then all you have to do is just play outside that limit. But if you never know what your limit is, like, how, how do you know how far you could go? Like, yeah. how do you know how far you could push it? Right. Like, so, yeah, even the same thing, like, man, like the girls, when they're like 10, 11, 12, 13, they destroy the boys. Fierce, fierce. Like I tell I people all the time. I don't think a lot of people realize this. Um, you know, especially dads, like they bring their kids here because their kids being bullied at school and they're like, oh, you got to be tough and, you know, you got to fight back and, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. And then like some cute little girl with, with like, you know, a ponytail just goes and like destroys this boy on the mats In and, seconds, and yeah. not one thing they could do about it. But people don't realize that the girls, you know, by the time they have their first period, their entire cardiovascular system needs to be developed, right? Like that, that young lady is ready to carry a child. And while the boys are still, you know, all out of control, you know, they look at the ceiling, they don't pay attention. Like the girls, their brain, you know, their cardiovascular is fully developed. Like, so their brain gets more oxygen, their muscles get more oxygen, they get less tired, they're faster, they think quicker. So it's not even a match. But then, you know, the boys later on when testosterone kicks in, of course, you know, it's hard to dispute the size and, and, and the physicality. But a lot of the girls carry on those lessons like through life that, you know, hey, 
like I could fight back and I'm okay. Yeah, like I, it's it's that like anti-victim mentality almost that, that they're getting, and it's so funny when you see it about like the maturity level of girls and boys. Because again, I I see it with my own boys now, where like you're they'll be hanging out with girls and they'll be whatever they're doing is way more mature and sophisticated than what the idiots that I've just raised my two boys who I love no matter what, even though I just call them idiots. I'm like, you're staring off at the sky and these girls are doing quantum physics next to you in a really simple way. Like let, let's, let's get it together boys, you know, in that development. Yeah. 100%. Like I'm, I'm teaching a lot of kids classes now at the, at the new school that we opened in Florida and man, like it's some days how's that cook? Can I just have girls in class? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, because the girls are so focused, like, they're so, I mean, the boys are awesome, you know what I mean? Like, but, you know, as far as, like, there's a, there's a certain age that the girls are just so sharp. Yeah. And um, it's awesome to see because, you know, when I first started training, there was no girls. And, and I think when when parents think about, oh, you know, what am I going to put my, my daughter to do? My daughter's going to do gymnastics. My daughter's going to do dance. Maybe later they should play softball, and that's kind of like as far as as far as it will go. As far as like you know, the tomboy side of things. I don't think a lot of parents like originally think that their girl could be like a natural born killer and still be girly. Yeah, still be girly, hundred percent. Never gonna get in the way of that. And they just like you know, yeah, they're amazing fighters, and and it's awesome to see. I like that when parents do that and they put them in soccer and like soccer is a blood sport. Like you really got to pay attention to soccer because it, it is rough as anything out there. And, and again, I feel like on, on a girl's side, it's rougher than boys soccer for sure. Watching one of those games. Yeah. And especially in the United States with the girls are like amazing, you know, like the girls team is like an yeah. inspiration. And that just trickles down into the college level and then the high school level, you know, it's a school sports and no joke, man, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and, and we see that too in my profession too, where where being a firefighter and really in, in all across emergency services was definitely a male-dominated field um, going into, again, the numbers are what the numbers are, but probably the 90s and then in the 2000s, and it, it just keeps getting more and more mixed now um, because of things like jujitsu being popular and different uh, women's sports and things where they're starting younger and starting to realize that they don't have to be this mold of something that no one really made anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think the sheer size of like what a fully grown male could be, right? Like I'm assuming in a profession like yours where you got to freaking carry the, you know, like an oxygen tank plus a hose plus this, plus that. I think that the, the physical size for sure um, in a, in and of itself would favor more like uh, a i'm male. waiting for this you know yeah, I'm, not I'm not exactly the guy you're talking about when you look at not that, I'm yeah, not that guy, buddy. But, yeah but you but you, <laughs> could, you could probably pick up my car and carry my car on your back <laughs> right but you but we have those we have that like predetermined thought process right yes. where you know someone looks at me and they're like oh he's not that strong but maybe i really am and it's the same on on the side of having a female firefighter you know if you put in the work and same as jujitsu, you're putting in the reps, you're going to have the success. You know, if I, if I wasn't in the gym for so long, I wouldn't be able to, to do half the things that I'm able to do now. 100%. And then getting older though, those are starting to go down. So it's, it's been a while probably since you and I've worked out together. So it's not, it's not as good as it was, buddy. Father <laughs> time is undefeated, man. <laughs> so remember back around FDIC when I said hikes was coming out with a new state of the art structural fire boot? Well, they did. 
and I had the opportunity to try it on, and I gotta say, it was really, really comfortable. The Fire Eagle Extreme boot is really kinda cool. The laces are a little different. Yeah, there's a lacing system that may take some getting used to, but it's a great trade-off to get such a good fit around the foot and calf. Trust me, this thing ain't going nowhere once you put it on, which is awesome in our line of work. So go check them out at hikesusa.com or on their IG at hikes underscore America and use code THESIZEUP, all caps, to save yourself $25 off your order. That's code THESIZEUP, all caps, at hikesusa.com. Right, right. But but it, it is one of those things. And, you know, you snuck in there, too, that you did just open a new school. And it's something that we talk about here on the podcast is just, you know, the small business world. And now you're up to three schools, right? Two schools. Two, two schools. schools. Okay. Yeah, and then just the that we had, that we had uh, in Pennsylvania, like we, I sold that to one of my students. Okay. And then I opened the school in Florida. Gotcha. Which is another great thing because you also, too, have like a, it's like a conglomerate of schools, right? How, do, how does that kind of like Association, you know, a lot of my students who are with me for years, then one day they're like, hey, I think I want to teach it too. I want to open my own school. And I always encourage them to do that. I, I give them the, you know, mostly the confidence is what they need. But and from the time they've been here at the academy, they know how to how to be in a service business. Right. Like it's teaching. But we don't teach like a university professor. You know, like we're here to serve people, like we're here to hang out with people in the best time of their day and and create a culture where we all see each other as teammates. And, you know, for the kids, there's the parents here, too. So you need to take care of the parents as well. So just most of the guys that spend enough time at the academy, like they already know how to do that with their eyes closed. Like They don't need like a manual or anything like that from me. But sometimes they just need a push. Like, hey, dude, go do it. Like, it's time for you to go open your own school, you know? Um, so, yeah, I have many of my black belts that have left here, and they could almost not throw a not throw a rock here in central South Jersey and not hit one of my guys that's, like, actually teaching classes and has a couple hundred students, like, under his tutelage. And, and I think, too, it's awesome how you mentioned that it's a service industry, right? Because I think when you think of those McDojos that you mentioned, you know, or, or mall karate, as I've heard it on uh, some other podcasts recently, but, you know, they're not in it for the service industry that you're talking about. You know, they're kind of more in it for the, the cash end of it, I guess is a good way to put it. It's just like a, a fitness gym. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to stereotype like the karate guys as, as you know, like in it for the money. I think that there's nothing wrong with serving the world like unselfishly and profiting from it. You know, I stole the quote from my good friend, uh, Ezra Firestone. That's kind of like his motto in, in, in life. He's probably the most successful business guy I know. And his mom, that's his sort of like mantra, service, serve the world unselfishly and profit from it. You know, I think that whether, whether you're, especially us in small businesses, right? Like it's, you always like, serving people and as long as you take really good care of people like there's nothing wrong with of you having like a good lifestyle from it at least from my perspective yeah i mean you serve them even better you know like if you're creating value and you're getting paid for the value that you create and not buying something for a dollar and selling it for two three four five and something that's totally worthless right uh i think that there's nothing wrong with it um so yeah i think it's awesome to 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 see jujitsu grow that way but as far as the karate guys i think that you know it's it's not their 
their motivation that I question is just sometimes the the vehicle, right? Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily questioning the destination. You know, you get a kid and you build them confidence, but uh, and 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 there's a lot of value in many traditional martial arts uh, training. It's just hey, don't bring the half broken board. <laughs> With the kid. Yeah, I have one of my, I have one of my friends. He teaches in a Krav Maga school, and his his kids program is like almost like karate based. I went into his school. I mean, his kids beat the crap out of each other. Like these kids do full on sparring with gloves, headgear. They could kick to the head, but no punches to the head. And man, like I I saw some of his kids spar super hard. These kids are like super skilled. Sometimes they would kind of like do takedowns too and hit the ground and punch a little bit. I was like so impressed. I was like, man, I wonder if I made my kids spar like that with the parents would think. I'm like, how is this guy getting away with this? And his high-level kids were very high level, you know, and, and it's a sort of like karate-based program. So I think a lot of it comes down to the instructor. If you find a good instructor, hold on to it, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely a big part because I've gotten to see so many of, of your instructors, you know, throughout the years again and watching them interact with the kids and watching them take another cool thing, too, that we don't often do is we tend to always want to group our kids um, like by their by their abilities levels, you know what I mean? Or by, you know, you would stick all the gray belt kids with the gray belts and the white belt kids with the white belts. And, and sure, there's a time and a place for all of that. But you also always had that intermingling. And I think you just had a post on social media too about having, you know, some of your adult white belts practice with blue belts and purple belts um, for both reasons, both to kind of teach the white belt how to level up and also to teach the older belt how to dial back, I guess is a good way to put it, or, or adjust to that to help that person become better. Yeah, I like to partner the senior most experienced student with the junior least experienced student. And everyone that comes to class knows they got to do their part to, you know, when they're the senior to teach. And like when they're the junior to just kind of like, hey, you know, learn to be taught, learn how to be led a little bit, right? And of course, every once in a while, you're going to have someone that's like, they shouldn't really be leading, right? And of course, every once in a while, you're going to have someone that shouldn't really be following, but it creates a really good culture for us this interaction of someone with experience being important with someone with no experience, right? Like, it's like, it's like if me and you went rock climbing, right? Like, I mean, you're used to ropes and like, and all the different stuff. I know nothing about rock climbing, right? Like, so if you know something about rock climbing, I'd rather go with you than with somebody else that's never really rock climbed before. You definitely right? want to know like, about ropes and rock climbing. It's when you go to like skiing, right? Like I, I man, I hate skiing. I never got into winter sports when I moved here. Like I hate the snow. Like I don't really like anything about it, right? But if I go to like Vermont and we're gonna go take a class and we're gonna, you know, I rather take a class from someone that's like skied before, right? Than with someone that's never really like been in the snow like myself. But they're probably gonna get hurt like me, right? So I think it's just sort of like based on that premise of you know skill and experience being partnered with you know you know with little skill and little experience and then just sort of like let that you know senior versus junior um interaction happen and it's a big part of the culture here at the academy 
which is another great thing, especially for adults, because we kind of forget how to be learners, you know, in an, an easy way to put it. And when you have that ability to be able to be like, now I'm going to be the follower. Now you're going to lead, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take my cues off of you. I think it's just an amazing side lesson you get out of this, you know? Yeah. I think it's one of the hardest things for whatever reason. And it's one of the most powerful things is to learn to be an apprentice. Yeah. And we're all apprentice in, in, in many things that we attempt to do in life, right? Like I think that probably one of the most valuable people someone can have in their lives outside of their family is a, a tutor or a guide, someone that's going to take them and just kind of guide them into their process, right? Like, and, and, and whether that's, like a really good accountant that you have, like if you're in business, right? Like, or if that's maybe your financial advisor, right? Sometimes those are people that we actually pay for it. Like they're not really, you know, a really good one. We're actually like charge you for it, right? Because otherwise they wouldn't be giving advice, right? Yeah, they probably uh, wouldn't be that good. <laughs> but to learn to be an apprentice, whether it's in the way you eat, right? whether it's in parenting, whether it's in, in, in anything. Like kids don't come with manuals, yeah. right? And we think that we're just going to do trial and error. And then what we end up doing is we end up, uh, you know, going against all the things that our parents taught us and letting our kids do all the things that our parents didn't let us do. And, hey, I don't know if that's the best thing, right? Like, so being a white belt, right? Like that's like that white belt mindset, like just being able to go into any environment and not be the top dog and just be humble and open-minded and, and take into consideration other people's, uh, be able to be able to take feedback. Like so many people are not able to take feedback. Like you would give someone feedback and immediately they're defensive, yep. right? Like, and then it turns into an argument or it turns into, like you see it in social media, it turns into like, you know, Oh, I'm not gonna talk to this person anymore. Like, well, why? Because they gave you feedback. Like, and especially on social media, where it's you feedback. Want, you just want people to say yes to you every time you do something, you know. And social media is feedback without tone. No one wants it's just like <laughs> text messaging. There's no tone in text messaging. So I could write something and you yeah, can do it however you want to, right? But people got so used to that that they're like, this is how we communicate instead of just, hey, let's talk about this real quick. Let's let's sit here and actually talk about this. Exactly. And it goes both ways. Sometimes people are rude on social media because they, they're not close enough to get smacked right across the face. Right? <laughs> so yeah. Anybody There's could, keyboard you know, warriors in jujitsu too. I didn't know that. Huh? There's keyboard warriors in jujitsu too. Oh, probably more than, <laughs> more than anywhere else. Because you're definitely not going to get smacked in the face by anybody there. But but that's it. It's being, you know, we call it in the, in the fire service, we call it being a student of the craft. And to me, it's, it's, it's a student of life. You know, you just, you're always learning. And I'm pretty sure there's a martial arts quote out there that I've seen where, you know, the best black belts are always a white belt or, or something along those lines, like where- The black belt is the white belt that never quit. There it is. That's it right there. Yep. That is the, that is the quote. Say that one again, because I kind of interrupted you. The black belt is a white belt that never quit. Yeah. And that, that's life right? That's the way we should be for life is that never quit attitude, whether it be your career, whether it be your marriage your parenting, whatever it is, you know, you've just never quit. Yeah. And, and, and stop trying to make things perfect. You know, like you just have to accept that we're human, that we're not always going to be perfect and that we're not always going to be right. And, and, and especially when the feedback 
is tough, right? Like, especially when the feedback kind of like feels like someone is like twisting you and you like, you know, it puts the hairs up your spine. Those are the ones that sometimes we have to, to, to listen, right? Yeah, that's where you're going to learn the most from. Yeah, and then the other side of that is like, hey, if, if you're attempting to do something that's hard and, you know, uh, especially if you're doing, you know, public things, like don't, don't pay attention to, to people's criticism because they're not, they're not, you know, they didn't make you, you know, they didn't, they weren't there teaching you, they weren't there helping you, right? Like this feedback that I'm talking about is from, from like a closed circle, right? Again, from that maybe that mentor that you had and maybe like a peer that's being mentored by the same mentor. Like, like we have to keep our, our circle of influence, you know, tight and strong. And those are the people that we get feedback from. And then maybe like, of course, like your coworkers, right? Like, and, and, and your family members, right? Like, and your, and your spouse and, and even from parents, it's always hard to receive feedback from the kids. Like we always like, Hey, I'm always right. But like, it is necessary to have a little bit of a back and forth with the kids as well. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're stakeholders. I feel like they're stakeholders in our family and they, their vote isn't as high as my vote, let's say, but they get that vote. Right. And there's times where I'm like, Oh man, your vote, you win. <laughs> like, And I, I have to swallow my pride a little bit. Right. Like you're right on that one. And I'm not. Yeah. It's tough as a parent to be, to be wrong. Um, it's also tough to be right. Like some parents let the kids do whatever they want. And it's just because they don't want to have that friction. They don't want to have that interaction. And, and I'm not sure that's the best for the child as well. No, and and it's for sure too, at least I know for me, and and, and I've seen it with, with you and your kids too, it's, it's teaching them why their way isn't right. You know, or maybe even letting them fail forward a little bit where, hey, go ahead and give this a try. I know it's not going to work, but let's let you see how it doesn't work and, and see what you have to say about that. Yeah, 100%. And even with the boys, like when we decided to, to leave the academy, like I'm like, look, boys, this lacrosse thing's taken off. You know, we're spending our money for you and I will continue to do that. But if you're not going to, if you're going to commit to this more, we can't do this. You know, there's just no way we can do both. So you have to pick one for now. Um, yeah, which... I think that that's one thing that I did with my kids too. You know, like I think, um, I think when the kids are first, attempting sports i think it's good for them to try a little bit of everything see what's kind of like for them like but once once you choose one thing like you can't do another right like it's you know yeah and especially i mean here in jersey is like that i don't know other states right like but like high school sports is like a serious thing you know yeah. what i mean and, and even middle school sports right like when my kids started running i'm like what do you mean you guys practice six days a week like, can't you just go like two or three days? Like, it's just running. Like, if you're running three days, you're good. You know, like, I didn't understand what the heck was going on. And that's it for like all the other sports, like kids that play soccer. Like, they'll play soccer in the fall, but then, you know, then they're playing indoors in the winter, right? And then, you know, in the spring, they're on some travel team. And then, you know, in the summer, they're doing summer training. Like, it's it's a serious thing if your kid wants to do well and wants to play sports. And for some people, it's not that great um but it is what it is that's the level if you want to be a part of it like you're going to have to you know match or exceed that level like it's kind of like the, the price of participation in a way for for sports for kids yeah especially again you, i don't know how it is anywhere else if you want to and get to that level that's what you're going to have to do 
that dedication, that that's the key word. And, and, you know, you did a really good transition into parenting here because most people would be like, oh, so we're talking about Ricardo's kids. They're probably these amazing MMA jujitsu studs out there in the, into the next whatever league you can think of. And they both did train, but they found a sport that they liked that uh, I'm not even so sure you like so much, right? I mean, <laughs> or you tolerate, I should say, you probably it's, tolerate it's fun running. You know, my, my son is in the spectrum. Like my son has autism and he never really like found anything that he could be like good at. Right. Like the only, the only, he's never played like sports after school coming up. He was never invited for any birthdays. He was always like that, like weird kid. Cause the funny thing about my son hands was like, he's, He's like super smart with math and like he's social enough so that he communicate a little bit. But if he starts like opening his mouth too much, people will look at him like, hey, what's like, what is this guy saying? Like, he's a little bit weird, right? Like, so, and then people find out that he's in the spectrum and then he was never invited for any birthday party. Like he's only, the only birthday parties that he's had were like friends of the family and, and things like that, right? But then he's in high school, his first year of high school, he was in the math club, he played some bowling and then in the second year of high school, his math teacher, you know, was also the cross country coach. And I'm sure he's needed kids because no, no, no kid in their right mind, like volunteers <laughs> to go do cross country, you know, True story. Which is True like story. 5k, 3.1 miles, like usually on the grass and, you know, it's in the fall. So it starts, you know, you start the season, it's hundred degrees. You finish the season it's like 30 degrees. And it's like, it's gnarly, man. It's like the MMA version of, of, of running. <laughs> you know it's crazy and yeah like my son was you know it was numbers and it was patterns and you know it was speed and pace so he was all and it's very repetitive so he was all over it he found himself into it my daughter just kind of like follows suit because she wanted to spend time with his with her you know with her big brother and they both got pretty good at it they both are running in college now but it was a lot of hard work for them like a lot of hours like it required a lot of sacrifice you know like many many arguments of me just kind of trying to get them to stick to it and not take the easy way out you know sometimes at the cost of you know having like a cool like thanksgiving uh dinner because they just got done with the season but now you gotta go run like you gotta go you know like soon we're gonna start winter track and like Sometimes like, you know, silent dinners and like family gatherings because we just had an argument about running or dedication or school or something like that. But I think it's been an awesome sport for them. Uh, running is very hard. I, I, I don't run, I jog. Like, I just <laughs> go for it. I've never done a race or anything like that. I, I actually got more, into running. I got more into running during COVID because we got shut down. So we got nothing <laughs> to do. I'm like, man, I can't just sit at home doing nothing. I'm just going to go for runs. And that's what I did, but I've never done a single race. And yeah, it's, it's opened a door for them to be able to, to run NCAA. Like my son runs division two NCAA. My daughter runs division one. Uh, she'll start running. She has, she, it's her first year in college. So yeah, it's definitely in my perspective, opened a lot of doors for them and they've kind of taken advantage of it and just kind of, you know, follow that into the next step. It's so awesome too, you know, when we talked before about mentors and things and, and, you know, Henzo's math teacher being the cross country coach. And, you know, obviously, as, as you said, running coaches need kids, especially for cross country, but that coach was able to unlock that talent of his that you may have never found, you know, or he may he have never life. found. Change his life. It's amazing. Right? 
and it opened him up to open so many so much more of the world up to him i guess is a good way to put it right where now he has a team because it's very hard for for kids on the aut autism spectrum to play a team sport and cool thing with with cross country most people don't know is sure it is a hundred percent individual but you get a team score too so you are on that team and for him to be a part of that you know probably even change that that birthday party invite although high school birthday parties change a little bit but that type of a group of people right yeah you know and and i just i dropped him off at university a few weeks back and then i went to see him him race and and you know because my son has no distraction like he's actually pretty good at running and you know you get like all these kids like cheering him on and some of the kids got kind of trying to be hard hey man i know you could do better you know like kind of like yelling at him a little bit and yeah, it's given him, it's given him access to uh, uh, you know experiences in his life that he would not otherwise have. Like he was always really good with math and and you know more introspective and into computers. Like if it wasn't for running, I'm sure he would have found something. But he would probably like be sitting in some office. Yeah, it wouldn't be athletically involved. Possibly, possibly in his bedroom, like looking at a screen and you know who knows what he would be doing, right? Like uh, he's actually going to school for cybersecurity. And yeah, like um, being a runner for sure opened that door for him. And yeah, he was his teacher. His teacher's doing for sure. It's so great to do it. And then for your daughter too, is his little sister to just be like, well, I'm gonna, my brother's running, I'm gonna run. And then she just took off watching her on social media too, of being like, holy cow, look at how fast she's going. Like, I know, I know running splits from my days as a runner. And it's just amazing watching their splits and having you tell me about their races and their success. But it all comes back to that hard work, like you just said, missed meals, bad Thanksgivings, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, you know, um, I look back and now they're both in college and, 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 you know, you always look at, you know, it's at least my nature. I always look at things that I miss and, you know, things that I could have done better. Like I look at my fighting career like that, man, I shouldn't have lost that fight. Like I was so ready. And with my kids, especially now that I don't see them as much, man, I just, I, I, I would trade, you know, so many, you know, trips like to Japan and Russia, like coaching MMA guys, which are, you know, for sure invaluable experiences that I've had in my life. And, uh, but I would have trade all of those for just being, you know, at my kids meets and, you know, some days maybe just kind of like, like being there for them. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like part of like who we are too, you know, like I have, I have to be my own person. Yeah. Bring right. something to my kids. Like I can't, you know, I can't just be Ricardo the dad. Like, like what the best version of Ricardo the dad is a dad that trains that, you know, that serves that, that, that does his things. And then I could bring, you know, whatever, you know, mix of those experiences to my kids as well. Right. Cause, cause I, I don't go train Frankie who in my opinion is like, you know, the one guy that like it, it's erased my level of coaching to a level that I would have never, you know, been if I didn't really coach Frankie yet. Right. Like just because, having someone of that caliber in the room day in and day out. Like he was actually here today. This guy is like retired and he's here training. He's, he's really retired. Is he really retired? Wait, we're going to go to yeah, he's he's really retired. <laughs> you know, like he's, he's amazing. But anyways, I don't get this experience training Frankie, who's, you know, UFC champion, future UFC hall of famer. Maybe my advice and my perspective of what I could bring to my kids is not the same. Right. Like, so it, it's, it's a, it's a balancing act. 
But I think for sure now that I don't get to spend as much time with my kids, I would have tried to sneak in, you know, more time. But those are lessons that I carry for the future and, and, and I appreciate more. Even this last summer, me and my son did like a dad-son road trip. Like we kind of like drove around Florida a little bit. We swam with like the manatees and, and, you know, I went, you know, I took him to do a couple of things, just me and him. And it was like a special time that maybe, maybe like two, three years ago, I didn't really think about, Hey, like, let me just stop everything that I'm doing. Let me go do something with my son, you know? Yeah. It's again, it's that balancing. You said it right there. It's a balancing act. You know, you wouldn't be the dad you are if you didn't do all the other things and you want to do all the other things and you want to be the better dad. You just have to figure out where the balance is. And all too often, I feel like people, it's the same in my field. All they want to be is the best firefighter they could be. And that's it. Fire, 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 fire. And the rest of their life is a mess. You know, they don't get that balance. And, you know, you have to kind of keep that rolling one way or another. And it's the same thing. Like, yeah, maybe you missed some opportunities in the past, but now you're going to look to create them and still do what you're doing because you're always learning through it. For sure. And sometimes we see the other side of the point too, you know, sometimes when people have kids, then like it's everything is about their kids. And, you know, and, and I mean, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I, I still believe that like, you know, like what you said, balance, like having, having a balance in your life affords you a better position to play the, the omni roles that we're required to play today, right? Like you're a business owner. That's it. Uh, father you're a significant other you're a, you know you're a son uh you're a sibling right like so we are like we play all these roles and and then having we can't just do one or at least i couldn't no it's, i'd be i'd be really boring and i'd be really bored i would not be the happy person that i tend to be in life but it's the same thing you know summer's over now the kids are back in school i have way more time to commit to the podcast to this what i'm doing because I didn't want to do it where I'm like, boys, you got to go in the basement because you got to be quiet for an hour while dad does this podcast. And it, I'm not going to lie. It happened a couple of times and even uh, more to Declan than Finn, but then Declan would appear and he would just be on the podcast. So he's on some episodes, which is a good time to have him. Join. You know, Declan is so funny. I mean, Pip is awesome, but Declan is so funny, man. Remember the still big old thing that he did in class? Yeah. <laughs> you always say the funniest things and, I don't know what happened. Like they were, we were doing some type of drill and like, you know, maybe he couldn't get a move wrong. And I was like, dude, what's going on? What's up with you? He's like, I ate a stale bagel. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> and I don't think he even ate a bagel. He was just like his way of like communicating that he didn't feel good that day. Like he's so funny. It was not a good day. The the stale bagel incident of Ricardo Alameda jujitsu. But, <laughs> but you know, it's things like that, that I have to keep the balance rolling. You know, and I, I think, you know, it's a great way to kind of wrap up this episode because as much as we've talked about all these different things, I think that's been the overwhelming uh, thought is just this balance in life, whether it be jujitsu and training, whether it be parenting, whether it be the immigration crisis that we have in our country, you know, is that balance. So uh, I love it, man. It's, it's exactly what I thought was going to happen today almost. Thank you, man. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we started with talking about jujitsu, about Kind of like using jiu-jitsu as a vehicle to find like a better version of ourselves right mm -hmm. and i think there's many things and there's different vehicles out there for different people some some people do it through yoga right some people do it through lifting right like i know you, you you're really big into lifting like you gave me that awesome sandbag i was actually using it yesterday nice and 
whatever, find your vehicle to kind of pursue the best version of yourself, whatever that vehicle may be. Hopefully it's a positive one, right? Uh, I <laughs> That's a big part then, of it. Make it a positive then, one. You know, and then bring that back the best version to the people around you. And, and I think that's a, that's not a bad way to live life for sure. Dude, that, that is a great way to kind of almost wrap this up. But before we get into the size up 10, because I usually do that and we laugh a lot, where can some folks find you? Where can they find your schools? How can they learn more about you out there in the world? I mean, everything nowadays is online, right? Like you can find recordalmedia.com. That's uh, the, the, the web address dedicated to our schools. We have one school here in Robbinsville, New Jersey. We've been in this area for 30 years now, 25 years, almost 30 years now. And in Lakewood Ranch, Florida, which is just outside of uh, Tampa area. And yeah, about 45 minutes from Tampa. We've been there for less than a year. I brought Professor Luke down, who is a longtime instructor here in New Jersey. And it's been a blast growing that school and and being a part of a new community and meeting new people. But any, you know, if you're close enough, come to those places. If you're not, I'm always happy to recommend a place. And no matter where you are in the world, jiu-jitsu is huge now. So there's always really, really good places to train. We didn't even talk about your surfing. You just surfed, surfed the last hurricane a little bit. I saw you out there getting it in. Yeah, I mean, I always surf the hurricanes here in Jersey. The waves get amazing here. We're about to have, uh, you know, there was just a little swell from the last hurricane, but we have a hurricane in the Atlantic right now. Uh, Lee's supposed to bring like epic waves. I'm probably going to be back down in the Gulf uh, for that. But the last uh, Hurricane Idalia, it kind of ran up the Florida West Coast. I was out there the day before surfing a little bit. It was a, it was a fun experience. I'm going to guess the water's a little warmer in Florida when you surf the hurricane than here in Jersey because the fall water in Jersey is not fun. Yeah, it's definitely warmer. It's, you know, um, the waves here in Jersey are incredible. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't know that. Like in, in the in the fall and winter, this is for sure like an amazing place to be a surfer. It just, it does get, you know, very, very cold in the winter. I'm I'm like too old now, man. I'd rather surf like, you know, waist high waves and board shorts than, you know, firing overhead waves in a 3-2 wetsuit. Like I'm I'm a little, you know. A little more comfortable in the warm water nowadays. Nothing nothing wrong with that in our old age. I, I do feel you on that one. So all right, man. Let's wrap it up here with 10 questions. The size up 10, I like to call them. So we're gonna we're gonna make this one happen. And they kind of go fast, but then they go slow. So let's see where we go. Yeah. So for you, beach or mountains? Beach. I should have just done why I'd even ask. Night out or night in? In. Always in. A good book or a good movie? A good book. Cross-country road trip, who's going to be your co-pilot? My wife, Monica. Oh, nice, nice. Do you make your bed every day? Sometimes my wife reminds me and I go back and forth, but every day. <laughs> it's good that she reminds you, though, right? And it's good that you could admit that because it's a big like, part. Come here, help me out. <laughs> Somehow she can never do it by herself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now you got to hope she doesn't hear that. You don't want her to hear that one. Oh, she's going to laugh when she hears it. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I see her, I'll, I'll bring it up just in case. All right, here we go. $1 million or go back to 18 years old with a redo? Back to 18. Really? Yeah. Could always make more money. You can make more time. True. Very true. I mean, I love my life. I wouldn't do it any other way. Like the experiences that I've had, I wouldn't trade it for the world. But if I could go back to 18 with the knowledge that I have. Yeah, that's another big Pay a million dollars for it. I will start with like a, only a million dollars. <laughs> And work it off through those times. Yes, sir. <laughs> Love it. Highways or back roads? 
back roads. Oh, this should be an interesting one for you. A bucket list place to visit. Bucket list place to visit. Maldives, Maldives, Maldives. I don't know how to. Oh, the Maldives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, very. It's on my list. That's there. Hmm. Let's see what you got for this one because you've been in this country a long time. Football, or football. Oh, the real football that you play with a ball and with your feet, <laughs> not with an egg and with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's a easy one, man. You can totally say that. You fought in the UFC. You can totally say it that way. <laughs> No, oh, I know a lot of people that will smash me for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. The best advice you could give to your younger self. Best advice that I could give to my younger self. Find a good teacher and be a good student. Love it. Love every minute of it. Professor Ricardo Alameda, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. It was great seeing you. I'm, I'm hoping I can get over to the school one of these days. We, we owe each other a workout still, I think. So we got to make that happen next time we're in Jersey. Yes, sir. Let's get together. You could kill me with those sandbags. Awesome, man. I can, I can totally do that. So thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to our sponsors as always for the size up by national fire radio. This is Pip and we'll catch you next time.